I'll be reading from Proverbs 11, verses 24 and 25. One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched, and one who waters will himself be watered. The word of the Lord. Proverbs 11, verse 24 to 25 says, One gives freely, yet grows richer. This is quite counterintuitive, isn't it? Another withholds what they should give and only suffers want. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched, and one who waters will themselves be watered. Another translation says it this way. It says, a generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. And so this morning, this is a powerful biblical principle, the principle of generosity. And it is revealed, uh, it reveals the intersection, it reveals the, the, the juncture between our finances and our faith. It tests our convictions, that is, the depth of what we believe about God. It tests what we believe about God's plan for our lives and how you and I hold on to God's promises. The juncture between our finances and our faith. Now, daring to swim against the tide and live a generous and thankful life, not succumbing to the idols of our generation, to selfishness, to um, greed, to materialism, to fear, to financial bondage, but instead living biblically, trusting God and putting him first in every area of our finances. So with all that said, let us speak freely this morning and set three goals for our message. This morning, I want to let God's word speak for itself. I don't want to go to the media. I don't want to go to what I seem or what I think might be good to me. I don't want to go to human wisdom. I want to go to God's word. I want to convey as best I can God's promises and his plans for you in the area of your finances. So my first goal is let's go to God's word and let it speak. Second goal is let's understand God's promises and plans. And the third goal, and what is most important, I want to do the first and the second, let God's word speak, and also understand God's promises and plans. I want to do those first two things with a free spirit. Now, many of us in this room in the past, perhaps we were in another ministry, perhaps we were in another church, and we sat under a teaching that spoke on the issues of finances. And that teaching did not have a freedom. That teaching did not have a liberty. And it left you in a place of bondage instead of a place of freedom. Such preachers focused on problems instead of focusing on God's promises. Such preachers spoke with a spirit of heaviness instead of a spirit of joy. The goal of this message is not about control this morning. It's not about fear. It's not about guilt trips. It's not about manipulation. This morning, it's about looking at God's word with a free spirit. And I'm asking him, Lord, 
What are you trying to say to us as we prepare for this new season that we're in? As we prepare to redig the wells of faith and growth because we all need a revelation about our faith and our finances this morning. So let's go to God's word. Let's look at three principles of a generous life. The first principle is the generous life is a blessed life. At the beginning of the message, I introduced a scripture, Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24 to 25. It says, one gives freely yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what they should give and only suffers want. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched and one who waters will themselves be watered. Like so much of the word of God, this scripture is counter or contradictory to our modern day culture this morning. This is not how my natural human condition is wired to think that giving freely equates to gaining more. In our, human, in our natural humanity, giving seems like a minus, doesn't it? Giving seems like a subtraction. And yet heaven tells us that it's a plus. Giving freely and gaining more. That's the opposite to how our minds work. Also, it's opposite to how our minds think. In the second part of the statement, it says, Another withholds what they should give and only suffers want. So you can hold back where it's all about me, where it's all about my stuff and lose. You can give and gain or you can hold back and in the end you lose. Why is this the case? Because it's not just about what we give but why we give and the way we give. Anyone know Anyone know this is anyone anyone will know this is true this morning if you've ever received a lousy gift. Who's received a lousy gift? <laughs> huh? Someone regifted you something that they gave you five years ago and they didn't remember? Yeah. Or a lousy attitude from somebody who gave you that gift. Because it's not just about what they gave. Or maybe you received a gift that was has been very clearly, it was very clearly manipulative in nature. The gift on its own might have been outstanding, but the why behind the gift was terrible. It's not just about what we give, it's about how we give it. The Bible says God loves a tight-fisted giver. <laughs> Hang on, let me say it. God loves a mean-spirited giver. God loves, you all should have your Bibles with you, you know, and you can pick me up on this stuff. God loves a cheap giver. What does it say? Cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. Our scripture says one person gives freely. That's the spirit that they gave with. That's how they gave. And the scripture says they gave, they gained even more. The flip side to the scripture talks about withholding unduly. Now, let me pause here. I'm not advocating giving everything away and having nothing. No, that's not what the scripture says because the word 
or the key word in the scripture from Proverbs says, it, it talks about unduly. It says, others withhold what is due. In the King James Version of the Bible, it says, there is one who withholds more than is right, which implies that there is an amount that is right. So the scripture is not advocating completely emptying out your wallet or your purse and giving everything away. The Bible is talking about a spirit that withholds, a spirit that is penny-pinching, a spirit that is cheap, a spirit that withholds when it is not right. And so the next part of the text is outstanding. It says, refreshing others causes refreshment to come back into your lives. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. This is so true. Have you ever been in a situation where you're in a weird place and you're feeling emotional and you're going through a problem and an opportunity crosses your path and you take it, an opportunity to serve, an opportunity to give, an opportunity to be generous and to focus on somebody else. And then you realise your spirit has been lifted. Why is that? Because the Bible is right, beloved. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. The generous life is refreshed and abundantly blessed. Let's look at a few verses and their reference to generosity this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 to 11. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. This is like the same spirit of our text from Proverbs, withholding more than is right. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. There's that same theme coming through, this, this, this theme, this spirit of freedom. You have freely received, so freely give. For God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all you need, you will abound in every good work. And it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now, he who supplies. When, when having scattered this morning, having been generous, having lived that free spirit, Paul says, now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. I don't think we can separate out the reference to generosity from the promises God, the promises from, the, from God's promises for our life. We can't separate the two out. They're connected. It's not just about what we want God to do for us. These scriptures show us how to unlock God's blessing in our lives and in the lives of others and in the life of our church as well. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Generosity is from the heart, beloved. It is from the heart. Generosity isn't from your bank account. Generosity isn't just from your lips or your good intentions. 
Now, I don't agree with the expression, it's the thought that counts. I don't agree with that. The saying was made up by someone who didn't want to do anything. <laughs> don't tell me how much you care. Show me how much you care. Show me. Practice what you preach because the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Generosity is a decision in your heart this morning. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. And the overflowing expression from the heart is an issue. Is, that's where the issue is. From the heart is the issue. God loves a cheerful giver. It's the heart at work again. The heart decides what to give. The heart affects our face when we give. <laughs> because, you know, the person where every dollar squeaks when it comes out their purse is not going to be smiling, are they? Because we, we need to be cheerful givers. The heart decides what to give. It's not the budget. It's not a budget thing. It's not a timing thing. It's not a lifestyle thing. It's not a cultural thing. It's the heart. Jesus, Jesus said it this way. He says, for where your treasure is, your heart will be also. There's connective tissue between the wallet and the heart. <laughs> Generosity is a heart issue. And it begins with remembering what our blessing is for. So... There are some very important words in 2 Corinthians 9, 6 to 11 that we just passed over. There is a phrase that is used twice. The phrase is, so that. It shows us what our blessing is for in verse 8 and in verse 11. Verse 8 says, and God is able to bless you abundantly, comma, so that. What's the blessing for? This is where we get it all wrong, don't we? We, we, we? we just love that little sound bite, don't we? God is able to bless you abundantly and we're done. We get the fridge magnet, don't we? We get the bumper sticker. We get the t-shirt. And we get the Christian coffee mug. But the end of the sentence is, so that in all things... At all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. That is the so that. The so that is not just your needs being met this morning, beloved, even though that is God's plan. But it is so that you can abound in every good work and not be tight-fisted and not be cheap and not be withholding what is not right. And in case you missed it or you didn't get it, it's repeated again in verse 11. You will be enriched. God bless us. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. There is a so that this morning. Beloved, I want to see God work in our lives. I want to see breakthroughs in blessings. I want to see the power of debt broken in your life, the, the spiritual debt broken, emotional debt broken, financial debt broken. I want to see your friends and your loved ones come
come to the Lord and for you to live in a place where your needs are being met and you're able to be generous. But there is a so that and it's not there for your comfort. The so that is not there so that you can have a fat bank account and the material things of this world. Psalm 37, 25 to 27 says, I was young and now I'm old, yet I have never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging for bread. They are always generous and lend freely. Their children will be blessed or be a blessing. Turn from evil and do good. Then you will dwell in the land forever. The generous life is a blessed life. The thankful life is a blessed life. Proverbs 22 verses 8 to 9 says, He who sows iniquity will reap, will reap sorrow and the rod of his anger will fail. What's the opposite to that life principle? He who has a generous eye will be blessed for he gives of his bread to the poor. So a good question to ask yourself this morning right now is do you have a generous eye? It's, interesting, it's an interesting thought. Do you have a generous eye in the way that you live your life? In other words, do you see the world through a lens of generosity? Do you have a generous eye this morning? The generous eye is blessed because they see the world through a perspective of generosity looking for opportunities to live out a generous life. Do you see possibilities or do you see problems? For the person looking for reasons not to give, there is always a reason, isn't there? There's always, uh, there, there, there will always be some upgrade to our technology. There will always be some bill that hasn't been paid. There will always be something in the world that is more important. The generous person finds opportunities you could say they almost create the opportunity, opportunities to be a blessing. Do you see abundance this morning or do you see lack? The first principle, the generous life is blessed. Our second principle, the generous life makes generous plans. Isaiah chapter 32 verse 8, but generous people plan to do what is generous and they stand firm in their generosity. In other words, sometimes their plans get tested, but they stand firm in their generosity. The key words are plan and stand firm. And that's the hallmark of the generous life because they plan their generosity. Now, let me ask you a question, a very provocative question. What do murder and generosity have in common? I was watching one of those courtroom TV dramas, you know, the one that goes, what is it, Law and Order? Yeah, that's the one. And I wanted to know the difference between first degree murder, second degree murder and manslaughter. And when I looked it up, the difference is really around intent. So a broad brush explanation would present something like this. Manslaughter is, I accidentally killed someone. Second degree murder is, I meant to hurt them, but I accidentally killed them instead. First degree murder is, I premeditated, I planned to kill that person. Now, there's a difference 
that, that there's a difference reflected in each one of those. The key is, was it premeditated, was it unintentional, or was it just the heat of the moment? Now, that's enough talk about that in church this morning. Let's talk about generosity again. And I want to use that provocative illustration because the choir has just, just, uh, just told me what it's about. <laughs> My question is, is your generosity unintentional? Is your generosity heat of the moment or is your generosity premeditated? I truly believe that if you and I want to live a true, generous Christian life, we should be able to be convicted of first-degree premeditated generosity. <laughs> Amen? There should be a watertight case against us. Not generous manslaughter. Oh, I didn't mean to do that. I accidentally blessed somebody <laughs> and gave them too much money. Sorry, that was unintentional. It shouldn't be just the heat of the moment generosity. Wow, Pastor, that was a great sermon on, on giving. Okay, I'll give you some money. Or I saw the need and I was moved and I did something about it. Second-degree second generosity is not bad, okay? I'm not knocking it. If you're about to pull out your purse now or your checkbook, that's okay. <laughs> all right? But I'm challenging you all to first-degree generosity. Intentional. Conniving. Premeditated. You scheme your generosity. Not random acts of kindness, but full-on, premeditated, intentional, first-degree generosity, the real thing. Here's a thought I want you to ponder. How does God's kindness look? Is it haphazard? Is it accidental? Is it capricious? Or is it planned and premeditated? Jeremiah 29 verse 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you. Guilty as charged. Premeditated generosity. Not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. First degree generosity is planned. God cooks up opportunities to be generous towards you and I. My prayer is that we would do more for the, of that ourselves and in our own lives. Let me talk to you about King David from first plane has landed in San Francisco. I just got a note. She said she'd do that. <laughs> first Chronicles chapter 29, King David is handing off the kingdom because he knows his time is almost done. And he sees a changing of the guard. He sees change coming, yeah? Uh, he has, he's had an incredible life. There's been some ups and downs. He's been a man after God's own heart. And he has it in his heart to build a temple for the Lord. And the Lord agrees. But because David has too much blood on his hands, God tells David that he's passing that responsibility to his son Solomon. So David takes an opportunity to make generous plans because that's what generous hearts do, don't they? 
First Chronicles chapter 29 verses 1 to 2 it says then King David said to the whole assembly my son Solomon the one whom God has chosen is young and inexperienced the task is great because this palatial structure is not of man but of the Lord God with all my resources, I have, I, I have provided for the temple of my God. Gold for the gold work, silver for the silver, bronze for the bronze, iron for the iron, wood for the wood, as well as onyx for the settings, turquoise, and on and on and on it goes. He gives an extravagantly uh, great gift out of his own pocket. It goes on and on. Now, pick it up in verse 3. It says, besides, in my devotion to the temple of my God, I now give my personal treasure of gold and silver for the temple of my God, over and above everything I have provided for this holy temple. And then David lists the amount, and there's some serious tonnage in what he gives. Tonnage. Then we pick it up in verse 5. It says, Now, who is willing to consecrate themselves to the Lord today? Then the leaders of the families the officials of the tribes of Israel, the commanders of thousands, the commanders of hundreds, and the officials in charge of the king's works gave willingly. And then it goes on to list what they willingly gave. So let's pick it up in verse 8. Anyone who has precious stones gave them to the treasury. The people rejoiced at the willing response of their leaders, for they had given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord. David the king also rejoiced greatly. Freely and wholeheartedly. Hallmarks this morning of a generous heart. So here's the question. Are we making generous plans? Those who live the generous life plan their generosity. King David saw Solomon's inexperience and so he made generous plans, not just for Solomon, but for the generations that would follow. David's personal example set off a chain reaction of generosity, freely and wholeheartedly. So let's expand that question this morning. Are you and I making our plans for the future, for our family, for our walk with God? How are we making plans for generosity how are we making plans together for Holy Spirit Anglican Church not just now not just for 2023 but plans for generations should the Lord tarry that's how King David lived his generosity set up generations to come generous people plan to do what is generous. The first principle, the generous life is a blessed life. The second principle is the generous life makes generous plans. And as we close, the third principle, the generous life remembers where the blessings come from. Let me read out to you King David's prayer at the end. So after all the, the big uh, hoo-ha, and the beautiful offering that they receive, David prays. And his prayer shows something very important about the generous life. It shows that the generous life knows where the blessings come from. Let's pick it up in verse 10. It says, 
David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly, saying, Praise be to you, Lord, the God of our father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor of everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and to give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you and we have given only what comes from your hand. They didn't give from their great generosity or from their great resourcefulness. No, David reminds us where generosity comes from. We gave or we have given you only what comes from your hand. David understood that it's a privilege to have an opportunity to be generous. Verse 16 says, Lord, our God, all this abundance that we have comes from your hand and all of it belongs to you. As a believer, everything I have belongs to God. And so my generosity is an expression or is a reflection of his generosity. When I am generous, I just don't reflect my own nature, but the nature God is working through me. Now, if I gave you my wallet and you then gave my money away, then we would both have an opportunity to be generous. But it might seem a little off if you forget whose wallet it was and you say, how, how, how generous am I with Neil's money? <laughs> we laugh, but we do that with God's things, don't we? God has given us his wallet and we have an opportunity to be generous. Remember, the only reason why you and I have anything to be generous with in the first place is because he gave it to us first. As the worship team gather and the keyboard plays softly, Matthew chapter 10, verses 7 to 8, Jesus says, As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal those who are ill, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. The generous life remembers where our blessings come from because generosity is the most natural response in all of life to a generous God. To a God who first gave towards us generously is a natural response. One last scripture as we pray together. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17 to 19. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant or to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides for us everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves in a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. 
My prayer over the course of this week, as we've talked with the spirit of freedom and looked at God's word, his plans and his promises, is that we would put our trust back in him with our finances and not in anything else. And that in a generous, in a life of generosity, And a life of honouring Him. And in a right revelation of Scripture, that we would apprehend a life that is truly thankful. Please pray with me. Holy God, I thank you for all the great examples of generosity that, that have graced my life. Whether rich or poor, these conduits of grace have taught me that I too can be more like you in this way. Bless my heart and trust and faith as I seek to be more generous with others in my grace, in my forgiveness, in my finances, in my encouragement and in my time. And I pray all this in the most powerful and awesome name of Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.